0: Hello and a warm welcome back to the Inside SW1 podcast with myself Carl Quilliam and my co-host Malcolm Clark and also a warm welcome back to our guest host for this week Liam Carr who joined us just a couple of weeks ago uh, although I say that you, you joined Malcolm I wasn't here so it's uh, really nice to meet you Liam. So Malcolm first of all how was your week?
1: Uh, very good thanks Carl and thanks for being back again Liam Um I haven't got a lot to report, so this will be a short update. Uh, just it's just been work and lots going on. Uh, I think I've been well. I hit my two month anniversary. Uh, I think it's tomorrow, is it? Or you know, in leap year. So yeah, so yeah. I really feel like I, I work there now. I don't feel like a passing guest. So it's all kicking on. And uh, each week, I think that I've been exposed to like all the work I'm going to have to do, and then I get told, "All oh, right, now we can get you into this as well." And I, sort of getting to get into the point where I think I don't know what else is going to be but I'm very busy but yes yeah, so it's been good and uh yeah lots to talk about in the in the political world which is always nice so look forward to that but yeah it's been a good week
0: so far how how about you Carl before we ask Liam? See Liam doesn't know the running joke about how you always forget to ask me how my week was but <laughs> every week as well <laughs> <laughs> um, so nicely done um yeah no it's, it's been good it's just been busy um I've been at Lots of political events. Um, so I was, at the thing, I was just telling you off off mic that um I was at this thing on Tuesday with um Ed Balls and Michael Gove, uh, which was interesting. Um, talking just two three. Yep, just the three of us having a having a chat. It was, uh... <laughs> it's one of those michael gove is quite and um, i haven't seen lots of him on those kind of panel things but he's actually quite good value um i think he, it feels like he's sort of like d mob happy now he's just happy to say anything and everything um they were talking about uh, so Ed balls has done this sort of series of three papers uh, academic papers um about um basically about the sort of growth and devolution. Uh, and that's what the kind of the focus of this one is like recommendations of how that could actually work. Um, and Michael Gove just sort of, sort of sat there agreeing with everything, uh, albeit, you know, he's been a government minister for 14 years, I've done nothing about it. Um, but it was, it was sort of interesting to be in the discussion and just sort of, yeah, see how it went. Uh, but yeah, it's been one of those weeks where there's been a lot of those kind of things where I've been sort of sat watching a panel of otherwise largely boring people but that's that's the job that we do uh, how about you liam how's your week been
2: it's been pretty good uh, work-wise i work in sustainability and uh, i was at a net zero conference talking about sustainable procurement and listening uh, about how some institutions particularly the nhs um, are trying to reduce their carbon footprint through sustainable procurement and in their supply chain which okay. is quite interesting um the previous week i was down in London and and attended a select committee about risk and climate resilience, and also um, how climate-related risks and extremes of weather are um, are taken into account by different government departments, which was pretty interesting as well. Also on the same day as that um, Gaza vote, where the the SNP amendment meant that uh, the vote went through without a, a named vote, so it was a pretty interesting day in Parliament the week before.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like a lot. Um, Shall we jump straight into uh, our first topic, which is, and I'm going to read this out, but Malcolm's written it. I'm just going to sort of put that out there. Uh, 56 Peely, brackets adjusted for inflation, has been suspended from the Conservative Party, Um, which was was a big story kind of beginning of the week. Um, And there's a few different things that come out of it. Obviously, as well, at the same time, um Liz truss has kept the whip so far, um despite what was quite a controversial Steve Bannon interview, but maybe we'll talk about that a bit once we've talked about fifty six p um Malcolm, do you wanna kick us off? yeah, it was I mean, firstly, I think that it was very
1: correct that he was suspended um for me, it's been quite unedifying seeing people come out. Trying to defend him, and that included uh, the Sedgefield MP Paul Howell, whose whose sort of reason for not lambasting him was that he felt that he, you know, he hadn't he hadn't analysed it enough. So I thought that was a bit of a cop out as well. But yeah, I watched um, as I said, I think I said last week, I did watch the um, the reform. What was it the, the launch thing that they did for that crazy sector of the Conservative Party that that started with Liz Trust. And he spoke then, and he was pretty reactionary and so very populist. But, you know, he said some terrible things about Sadiq Khan that, that it is very inflammatory, very inaccurate, very worrying. And inside, we're going to talk about, you know, how MPs may need to get their own security and the sort of increasing anti-political discourse. It always happens before an election. Where people have to be really careful stoking these types of things up because it could just boil over. And obviously, be interested to hear Liam's insight because he has been a Canada before... Albeit before Brexit, and I think was perhaps a different political environment out there. But he obviously was at the very front line, campaigning every day and taking the the hits on the doorstep in terms of, uh, you know, getting people hearing what people really think. Um, but I just think like MPs have a responsibility to not go too far to try and keep a sense of proportion on these things. And to me, he just went way beyond that and was was disgraceful. And I think he. You know, suspending him from the Conservative Party is the minimum that should have been done. I mean, this guy shouldn't be in Parliament at all, in my view. Liam, what do you think?
2: Well, first of all, the the comments were reprehensible. Um, Sadiq Khan is absolutely a moderate. And to say that he's controlled by Islamists is is just a ridiculous thing to say. And he had a chance to correct the record. He chose not to. He then doubled down and said that it's actually... Um, Islamist mob that's controlling London, which nothing could be further from the truth. So these Islamophobic comments uh, have rightly been called out. He is suspended, and that was the right decision that the Conservative uh, Party made. It really couldn't be further from the truth. Sadiq Khan is absolutely moderate. He came out in support of um, the LGBTQ community. And I know moving on to um, safety of MPs, he's already got 24-hour police protection. For his own safety, so so his his there have been credible threats against his life by genuine Islamists, and yet you've got another politician uh, who's has come out and, and said this ridiculous sort of statement, and it, it seems to be, and I'm sure we're going to discuss this on all sides of the political spectrum. We do have a problem with sort of conspiracy theories being repeated by people who really should know better um, and the, the the thing that really struck me about Lee Anderson is that when he had a chance to correct the record he really didn't uh, so does he has he just been duped by a conspiracy theory or does he actually believe this stuff he kind of possibly Carl what do you it-
1: think
0: I just—it's interesting that you mentioned the the conspiracy theory piece because it was obviously that's what Keir Starmer sort of led with at PMQs this week that the Conservative Party of the he you said know, the political wing of the flat Earth society, um, which, um, you know, is quite you know it's it the fact that he can say that and it not be seen as ridiculous and actually have a grounding in reality you know if, even if we'd have gone you know if you had gone back even a few years and even at the mid you know, the height of the kind of the brexit tensions and all that kind of stuff saying something you know going that far on saying something like that just would it wouldn't have it wouldn't have felt like it reflect reflected the reality of politics even when we were in that kind of you know period of such high kind of tension so the, the it feels like the conservative party has just got more and more. I mean, extreme is one word, but ridiculous, I think, is another word. I mean, some of it is just ludicrous, what they're saying. It's not just that it's, you know, offensive. It's also just... Malcolm.
1: I think um, I listened to LBC and James O'Brien said an interesting thing that was quite thought-provoking for me, where he said, you know, who's still voting for the Conservative Party at this stage? Because if you were a Conservative voter in, say, 2010, and you're still a Conservative voter now, you've obviously, you know, you have moved by, you know, a very, very large amount from where they were then to where they are now. Interesting what you were saying there, Carl. I thought you were going to say that there would have been bigger consequences for Leigh Anderson. What I was going to say, and obviously you didn't say that, um, was that it it wasn't really tested because nobody ever did that. So there's a lot of things that we come across. I think we saw it when Boris Johnson was prime minister he would say a lot of things in the house that were just patently wrong, again like untrue, like wrong, and tested that kind of lie into the house out to its, to its fullest point. And we actually found that the rules didn't actually do anything because there's always that presumption that they are honourable members and that's embedded in the, in the sort of conventions of the house. So when people are just patently or not, there's not much you can do. Um, and I think with this one, you know, I find it staggering and, and like I say, very unedifying that, that he said something like that. And Liam's absolutely right. I mean, so wrong. These things do get said by people, but they're not said by MPs. And when they are said by somebody, that almost normalizes it for other people to come out and say it. It almost gives them a a pass and it gets worse. And like I'm not I didn't know Liam that he had twenty four hour protection. I guess I kind of realized when I've seen him on things, he's always had people around him. Um but I thought he might have sorted that out from for himself, sort of thing. But you know, it doesn't surprise me given the sort of vitriol towards him and I, and I do fear, and not to move on to number two too quickly, but I do fear we're heading in that direction for all of politics um, and I don't really know. I, I see all sides of it, um, but, yeah, I, I think he's trying to create – there's a separate point that's probably maybe not going to discuss today, but he he made that those comments when he, he doubled down, Liam, on GB News when he was interviewed by a Conservative MP, which breaks loads of alleged rules to do with broadcasting that they just seem to flagrantly breach, but Carl, I'll hand back.
0: <laughs> just throw that back at me. Throw it out there, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I think there was some figures today about the amount of money that have been, has been paid to Conservative MPs by GB News, £600,000 or something. Um, it's like quite that, yeah. yeah, significant amount of money that's been, you know... Um, particularly when the the is trying to do certain deals that ha, you know have business deals that <laughs> um have other implications. But I well I'll, it's, I I don't want to divert us too much of because 'cause we're talking about um Lee Anderson. Um I think uh Liam you're exactly right about his Sadiqan security. Um I'm I I'm based in London. I you know, the stuff we do with the local Labour Party here, if we ever um, have a visit for Mr Khan, or he you know, comes to a dinner or something like that. You are not allowed to tell people that he's going to be there, um, precisely because of the the level of security that's that's sort of surrounds him. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, and this this is only going to kind of play into that, really. I mean, the the leaflets as well that are going out are quite they use his name a lot from the Conservative Party. Uh, and may attack quite hard as well so it, it's it's a the backdrop for this election and bearing in mind you know the first when Seacom was first elected um he was that the campaign was that goldsmith as well i mean he, he each election he's gone through but yeah you know, he's not had he's not had an easy ride um from from his first election really there was some quite let's let's say sharp practice you know particularly compared oh. to what's going on now, but there was some stuff that you know there was a one of the candidates um in the, the gLA candidates were standing where where I am now um was was recorded making you know racist statements by the by the press um in that election back in 2016 so it's you know this is just kind of compounding. Si Khan, at least personally, is compounding a kind of long standing story you know he's had those rows with Donald Trump as well, which you know inflames all the same kind of stuff um so it's, it's hugely edifying and it's it there is a kind of yeah it does it does play into a kind of toxicity that um you know but I think the the Liz Truss bit is, sort of speaks to a little bit you know the fact that she's that she's been out there. I was quite surprised that she chose to be interviewed by Steve Bannon. I was really surprised when I saw that. I don't know if you both watched that clip where she stood there while he called Tommy Robinson a hero and said absolutely nothing. And it's one thing to to do that in the moment as well. Maybe she didn't hear it. Maybe she didn't quite understand what he said. It's another thing to not then afterwards um, correct the record, and she hasn't as far as I'm aware. Liam, is there anything else you wanted to?
2: Yeah, add just on? before we move on from Sid Khan, he is definitely uh, um, not controlled by extremists. nor is, is he? Does he hold any extreme uh, views? He's, he's he's a mainstream Labour Party politician, uh, and he's doing his best for the people of London with uh, an election coming up. And I wish him the, the best of luck. Uh, but on to the the other point about uh, really Liz Trust now. Also repeating uh, conspiracy theories, um, she, she thought it was the deep state that, that stopped her cutting interest rates quick enough. Well, it was actually the markets decided that that wasn't going to be, and, and normal people are paying the price of, of that sort of thinking in their in their mortgage payments even now. So yeah, I think we it, it is a dangerous time in in politics. We know it's an election year, and we know the attacks are going to be coming um, thick and fast, but we. When people are researching these attacks, they should be aware um, not to use conspiracy theories. One, one in my line of work that I was baffled by is, is the fifteen-minute cities one that I've heard uh, people repeating, even in the conservative part, like mainstream conservative MPs, going about fifteen-minute cities. Well, all all that, it's just a planning thing where uh, people, if you plan a city, uh, it would be ideal if people lived within fifteen minutes of. Amenities. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to leave your house. It's not the deep state trying to uh, control people's lives by suggesting that you should live no more than a 15-minute sustainable transport journey from your local doctors. So, yeah, I think it, it is going to be that sort of election, like you, you said, with the, the attacks from um, Zach Goldsmith back in 2016. Um, but, yeah, once you strengthen the conspiracy theories, it's right. That these should be called out, and it's right that both Labour and Conservatives, uh, to be fair, have um, recognised when uh, their candidates or MPs have done this and took swift action.
0: So we've we've already um, we've already touched on the next topic. Um, so hopefully we'll sail quite nicely into it. But it is a, it's, it's a difficult one. The security of you know, politicians, um, particularly in this environment, it is really, um, well, we've, the story is that MPs are now going to get their own security uh, after the Home Secretary James Clevey has announced a £30 million fund that will allow private bodyguards for MPs, most at risk, access, give them access to uh, name contacts in the police uh, for all candidates. Um but where is where can where do we sort of draw the line around this? Um, you know, I I talked a little bit well, we've all talked a little bit about Silicon, Khan, but you know the people need to be able to have access to their MPs, to their politicians. Um, is this gonna be a kind of a barrier to that? Or is this actually, you know, is this where we're at? We just this is what's needed now. We need to be able to kind of keep politicians safe so, so that you know we're, it's a to some degree it's about protecting democracy liam what do you think
2: yeah i think it'll it, it will change at the minute i, I feel like we're a, a, in a very divisive period for politics there isn't much consensus um with the situation as it is in the the middle east that's also divided parliament as we've seen and it and it divides people. So we are at a time when there are um, credible threats uh, to MPs, so therefore security has to be stepped up. I just, and, and we've seen and, we, uh, and when we talk about this, we shouldn't forget or, we, uh, or and we should always remain mindful that MPs have been killed. And we remember David Amos on the conservative side who was actually killed by an Islamic um, State sympathiser and Joe Cox who was killed by a right-wing extremist that that is what we're trying to prevent here and, and if that if the price of that is to have police protection for mps then that is definitely something then that we should do I just hope that it, it would be it wouldn't be needed forever and it's reviewed and that the threat against mps can can be reduced and one of the ways over time you can do that is, is just through um education through tolerance through the prevent program to prevent extreme uh, to prevent extremism, Um, these sort of education programs and reporting programs that we already have um, at our disposal, um, then then they should be used, hopefully, to do exactly what they say to prevent this sort of extremism. But if it's needed now, then that is exactly um, what should happen. No one in any line of work should be put in danger.
1: Can I ask Liam, because you were a candidate obviously at the twenty fifteen general election, um, did you ever and again I'm always keen that, you know, I think things have got sort of more difficult in the last eight years, but did you have did you ever have any difficult encounter on the doors? I know you knocked on thousands of doors during the campaign. Did you ever have any difficult moment where you had to sort of, you know, think carefully how you got out of it or any, any uncomfortable situation that you got yourself in? Yeah, the, or the, yeah, there that was, you found yourself in, not got yourself in. Yeah
2: yeah there were there the were some difficult conversations and there were some people who were who were angry and making references to all sorts of things that have that have happened in the past that they thought that, that the labor party and me um were, were responsible for um but as you know I'm uh, like all you do is you, you just say oh, well, thanks for your time and then you <laughs> you just walk away, you walk away slowly I never felt the need to report anything to the police I was never I never felt like that there was any danger to to myself, um, but yeah, I encountered anger uh, among among constituents, uh, definitely. But I think things are quite quite different now.
1: Yeah, um, I think for, for, for me, there's a few things. Obviously, this is a an area of politics that I'm very interested in. I was keen, as you know, Carl, a while back, to set up a a body that looked at you know improving the the way that we engage with politics and politicians. I do worry about the almost the visceral nature that people approach politicians if you ask someone why they dis- if they dislike politicians most people i think these days would say yes if you ask them why then i think that answer is more difficult i don't think a lot of them know why they just feel it because that's kind of the thing that people feel because and they're all the same. Mom. Well this is the problem Lee, and i think a lot of people do do think that and how and the the, the thing that i always and I had this conversation with somebody once who and it was when I was a counsellor, and they were getting along perfectly fine with me until they realised I was a counsellor, and then, you know, physically reacted and changed and got more angry. And they said about how we're all on the take and, you know, the usual stuff that you get thrown at you. And I said, so, right, I said, so I'm not on the take, but what could I do that you might come into this bar next week and say, was all right? There was nothing I could say. So I said to him, so there's not much point in me trying then. There's not much point me doing anything different. You're just going to hate me anyway. or you are going to hate what I do anyway? And I think the worrying thing for me is I think there's more people in that space than what there is who are genuinely listening. Because you're going to get if people said there has to be bodyguards for all MPs, let's just say, you know, there has been situations. They are a small number, but one is too many. Um, the the the, the it, there's not a lot of bad instances where people are getting assaulted, getting into fights. Obviously, the murders are horrific, but you know, they're a very, very small number. So it's not like everyday MPs going out, they're getting beat up or jumped on or mobbed or anything like that. We're seeing that. And I think Lee made a very good point, an important point about the current debates around Gaza that's causing a bit more of a sort of heightened situation. And that will go on for a bit longer. And we've got the election, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, this is the point where this type of thing gets tested. I believe at some stage in the future, I don't know how short term, I think we will probably have to have on like, people with MPs at all times. Um, I don't like that. What worries me is you'll get some MPs, virtue signaling, saying I need to be with my constituents, I'm always available. They are placing themselves at risk and you've got to analyse it. The very last thing I'll say for now is that when you talk about where we draw the line, a lot of it is perception. When I worked for the MP between... 2010 and 2015 we had very few uncomfortable instances we we had very few angry people we used to get them at surgeries of course and i sat in loads of them um but most of the time people listened and were reasonably polite what you got all the time was a bit of snark you got a little bit of jibes you know a bit of spoky, prickly comments here and there a little snark on the emails you very rarely got someone who was really nasty and that you thought, well, I'm never going to speak to them again, I'm never going to let them in again. You did get a few, but not many. In 2016 around Brexit, it felt like much more people were in that space and there was an air of threat in the air. Now, I don't know whether that was just a perception, but it came from somewhere. There was a change in the air a little bit. To me, we're closer to that now than the nice time. And I think if we get to a point where it's just generally hostile, at that point we'd have to have some sort of presence there on a formal security basis to make sure that the MPs are, you know, they at least have some sort of backup um, because I, and if you think about it, there's not many similar types of things that are quite not vulnerable, but open to sort of that type of thing where you see them without anything at all. Like in America, they've all got, I think they've all got cards or maybe I watch too much TV
2: well, they will have, cause they, because people in certain states in America, it's legal just to carry your gun around, so then you need more people with guns to protect the people that legislate.
1: I, I agree, Liam, but I think that it's it's that perception, isn't its Is it? Are we reaching a point where it's not as stark a risk, but there's still risk, i.e. there's risk not to have protection. I don't think I want it, but it, that just wanting something doesn't mean that it's it's got to be done. I think We probably haven't had the level. I mean, I suppose the question to ask, if we wanted to be specific, was is there a number of instances, and a package anything in that that causes the police to be called, that encompasses like the worst to the sort of basically any assault, I would say. How many of them before we had to say? The, The thing that worries me is we could have 10. Like say nobody got killed, but we could have, say, 10, 20 assaults, and they would still be saying that they didn't need protection. Now, to me, they would. I don't think we can make that. We can even have that debate. To be honest, we don't have the information. You would
2: hope that the the police would have the intelligence and then use resources accordingly to protect the public and protect uh, MPs against any credible threat. Um, but but I don't think that in any job, it doesn't matter what job you is whether whether you're an MP or, or you, you have any you mean any other line of work. You should be safe in your workplace. Nobody should be threatened at work. Whether you work on the front line of our NHS or whether you work in politics, so um, so yeah, I think that we, we can't really debate how how what level of sort of violence or what level of threat is is tolerable, and uh, that's not for us to have. Uh, I would say that there there is no tolerance for that. No one should be put at risk in their line of work.
0: What do you think, Carl? Yeah. Um, I don't. If I'm honest, I don't have loads to add. I mean, I I agree. Um, and it's something we you know we'll have to keep a kind of watching brief on. Really, in that these tensions sort of go up, and and we kind of hope that they'll come back down again. Um, there's clearly you know there's clearly money now to to make sure that there's there's hopefully sufficient infrastructure to to support MPs when they need it. Um, the thing that it made me think of, uh, and I won't dwell on it, but I think, cause we, you know, this is quite a serious topic, but it made me think of my, fir- the, my first sort of time out canvassing back in Leeds in 2005 when somebody set their dogs on me and I, I, um, yeah, they, they knocked on their door. They clearly weren't happy. They let their two, I remember it, I remember it as bulldogs and they just sort of ran and I just sort of ran out of the. I ran out and like closed the gate, and I was fine. Like nothing happened because they, you know, they didn't let them out of the gate to chase me down the street. Well, thankfully. How but did you record just... that? Call, did, you... did you did you put them down as a maybe? <laughs> a maybe,
2: <laughs> maybe for labour. Did you do that, or or what, how did you record that?
0: Well, I I was I was still a Lib Dem then, so that maybe they were for Labour. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lib Dems
1: are running here.
0: Lib Dems, yeah. They are running.
1: Well, the thing <laughs> is. That's now a criminal offence. I'm not sure if it was in 2005, though, Carl. I can't remember. Maybe you know that. I don't, I don't know. There's it's criminal f- offence to there. set dogs on you. Yeah, there's... Is it really a criminal
0: the... offence to set
1: dogs on you. Yes. I don't, I I don't, don't know, know if it, know it was that. then, though. I didn't know
0: that. Yeah, and, and also, I, I would have had to make the case that he'd set the dogs on me rather than just let them out. Um, you know, yeah, I, don't, means... they, I don't know what they would have actually done if they'd have caught me, but I was quite scared. You know, they might not have actually gone for me. <laughs> but uh, they yeah, they did run after me. So. <laughs> anyway. I, think, I
1: think they would have I think they would have turned round and, and
0: gone for the owner because you would have converted
1: them into a supporter. yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> My natural
2: charm. Yeah. Yeah, since then Carl, the Liberal Democrats have gone to the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: why he left. <laughs> See, we didn't we didn't prepare that in advance either. People people think we have set that up.
1: Well, to be fair, Carl, it's not a sort of not asking you to go into sort of a lot of detail, but you did get quite a lot of stick when you did shift allegiance, didn't you? You got a bit of abuse, and it's something that you know we've all experienced it, and that's quite telling. There's only three of us on the call, sadly, and it's a larger tragedy than people realize. Neither none of us have been to really high office and yet we've all had it so it's like I don't think there's any politician out there who hasn't had this to some degree and you know thankfully for me I've never had a really bad incident I've certainly had a few where I was very keen to get out of there Um, I remember a public meeting once um, while I was a councillor that I just didn't really know what was going to happen and you know you never do but it was there was a couple of people there that were just they seemed to have lost their sense of what was going on. And they didn't, they didn't do anything, but I wasn't 100% sure. And it was more of a case of I didn't really know what I would do. Like, Not that I'm like saying I'm particularly tough or I'd have a fight with somebody, but I was almost thinking, well, there's a lot more of them than there is of me. And if I like defended myself, I could end up with six of them on us. And I, I, I was, My mind was running away with me, but it was quite a tense situation and I was well, very, very relieved when I got in my car well, and drove away. What, what was on the agenda at that meeting? It's a planning meeting. It was a planning meeting. Oh, but it was a public meeting to discuss planning. So it's clearly, you know, I should have been, I needed Sadiq level protection,
0: really. It's 15-minute um, neighbourhoods, no doubt.
1: Yeah, well, um, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I can't go into too much detail, Liam. I'll tell you off, offline. Yeah. But it was, it was a fun, there was a couple of people there who, who just lost all sense of like proportionality with it all. And it only takes one idiot. But the problem was, is one person wound up the other one. Because he was fine until he started, and then there was another. Yeah, he joined in, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. So it's kind of that, kind of that validation kicks in, and yeah, I mean, it was like I say, it was fine in, in the end, but it was just, it's always that what if you know is yeah. this the time it's going to really kick off, and I never found that really very comfortable. Some people enjoy it. I think Richard Holden quite likes it when he gets kicked off at because it seems to happen all the time. I think some politicians quite enjoy having you know the the, the confrontation element, which I never yeah. did. Yeah, just before we move on, I would like to say that. Almost every
2: interaction that I've ever had, even with Died in the world conservative supporters, and there are uh, there are a few of them uh, around, will still be voting conservative in this by election we're going to come on to talk about. Um, that th- almost every interaction that I've ever had with a member of the public has been positive, even even and polite, even when they're mm. they're not going to support the, the party that you're for looking to you. <laughs> foremost, every interaction, I would say. Would no, I be- think that no, is a
1: good point, Liam. Um, and I think that's the problem with these types of discussions. Like, It's probably the same for me as well. I mean, you, you don't remember them that much because they're just really nice. Um But mm. uh, yeah, the, I think that's an important point to make. And it, it's true with MPs as well. The vast majority are all right, but it's, it's the ones that aren't always the problem. It's that tiny majority that can feel it. And to be honest, when you're in the office as well, that's true too, but it's you know that kind of twenty, thirty people that stick out a mile.
0: Yeah, and it, you no, know, it's exactly right, and I totally agree with that. Um, and to some degree, that's part of the the tension, isn't it? Where you know most politicians, most of the time, feel safe. You know, it's just that that minority of people that will go to such an extreme that that creates a risk. Um, So speaking of high political tensions, as you say, we're going to talk about the Rochdale by-election now. Um, What could it mean? What could the result mean? What might a result look like? Obviously, Labour have had to um, disown um, the selected candidate who will go to the election um, because they'd already been past the nomination period. Could George Galloway win? Could he come back after so much time? Uh, another another by election win. Um, he's obviously trying trying to to do that. Could the Labour candidate win anyway? Um, and it's apparently the uh, journalist Paul Woe, who I know, uh, struggled to, has struggled to get selected up to this point, has been um, tipped to be the candidate potentially next time if Labour loses. Um. What do you think, Malcolm? Where what have you heard? What what do you know?
1: Well, I believe Paul is local to Rochdale and had hoped to be selected in the first place. And then maybe uh, the strength of anyone but him vote. Um, I remember it being tipped very early on that Ali was going to be um, selected, and he he was comfortably in the end. Um, and and you know you all know my fun and games around Labour selections. It's amazing how often the favoured candidate does get through. That's all I'm saying, Um, at risk of my membership. Um, So, yes, the the reality is Labour has basically disowned the candidate withdrew support. That means we don't know data on the ground as to how he's getting on because this is obviously an internal matter. It's seeped into the... the, And the feeling you get in the media is that there's effectively... There's actually three former Labour... um, The Siren Danchuk is the... reform candidate, and you've got George Galloway as well, and you've got Ali. So three of a kind Labour politicians at some stage are all in there. Um, I think it feels like, and again, I'm not there, I haven't canvassed there, Um, it'll be very interesting if Ali wins, he will of course sit as an independent. Um, If George Galloway wins, which it looks like he might well be favourite, they are at the polls as we speak. They've got another half an hour as we record this to cast a ballot, so for the benefit of people who aren't listening in and won't till tomorrow, please vote. Um, Yeah, really interesting. I think it's a really interesting result because it'll almost demonstrate do people actually listen to these types of internal machinations? Um, I think it would be a big surprise to me, but again, uh, the only influence I've got on this is what I've read in the media. So it, it feels to me like Ali won't win, but maybe people will just vote Labour anyway. This is a strong Labour seat. It could happen. It doesn't feel like it's going to happen. Um, i would be interested to know what both of you think will happen in terms of a prediction. Um, I'm going to tentatively say, I think it looks like George Galloway is going to win, but I'm completely influenced by um, that kind of media thing, really, and I have no grounds with which to think that with any sort of you know general expertise or anything like that. So I genuinely don't know, but it'll be interesting to see when the results come in. If Galloway wins... I think they're expecting Paul Wars going to be selected, um, if I'm saying that wrong, I apologise, to be the candidate next time. In other words, a reset to what maybe could have happened already. Um, He must be feeling pretty sick, to be honest. Uh, But, yeah, I think we had to, in terms of the candidate, and again, being the inside SW1, we don't have a bias necessarily. Uh, But I think... Labour were just—I dis- mean—they they got a bit of stick for not being decisive enough, but I think they were pretty decisive. It's a big thing to chuck your candidate away and say basically, and it's a seat they already had, so that was a big decision. Rather, it could have been, they could have said, "Look, you know, he's sorry." Your know, Keir has shown again that he's willing to make a very tough decision because to lose the seat's a bit of a bit of a blow, but in, in the grander scheme of things, is it just a one-off probably? I thought Richie Sunak getting up at PMQs and gloating about it was insane, given that they've lost like record majorities by elections very recently. But you know, politics is politics. But yeah, interested to hear what you both think on it.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's very difficult. Um, I think it's good that Keir Starmer did take decisive action, and I honestly don't think this could have been picked up in a selection process. I haven't been through a selection process, Um um, Afzal Ali was pretty well respected within the party. He was a leader of the local council. He'd sat on various committees. He'd had a long career. He was re- but he was recorded in a meeting saying, uh, another conspiracy theory, saying mm. that um, somehow that um, Israel would have mean, made security a bit lax to allow these hostages to be taken so that in order that they could retaliate. I mean, you have to take action if a if a candidate is recorded in a meeting saying something like this. Um, and it's good that that action has been taken. It's not great for the Labour Party that they're going into an election without a without a candidate. The only saving grace is, and um, I don't know if we want to want to get into this at, at, at this point. Is that there may well be a general election soon. Um, should we do that now? Should we, should we play? When's the general <laughs> election going to be? Before we get back
1: into... I'm always up yeah. for a game yeah. of that.
2: So, be... so I believe that but... whichever candidate does, does win this, whoever it is, it's not great for the uh, Labour Party because they're not running the candidate in that particular election. But whoever it is, I believe, will only be the MP for a number of months. And then I, I think that um, if, the, if on a general election day, with the, the turnout and, and the, the different sort of campaigns that we'll see in the run-up to a general election, that at that point, that seat will will be a, a Labour seat. That, I agree. I, I can't call it now. I'm not going to say who I think might, might win. Um, yeah, I looked down the candidates list in it and there's no real standout uh, candidates for me. Um, but yeah, it will be short-lived and I, and I believe the Labour will get it next time. So, how long is that going to be, Carl? Not heard from you. I already had a bit of a debate with Malcolm on this one uh, last time I was on. I lost. How long <laughs> the, the debate? You might not have. You might not have lost the, the argument because you could be right. There could be a may uh, general election. When do you think the general election is going to be called?
0: Um, I've pretty much consistently thought it would be October, November this year. Probably more likely to be November because um, it allows for the normal party conference seasons and potentially. Um now, and uh, this this wasn't the case, but there's been various creeping that there'll be another fiscal statement. Um so it allows for that as well. So I think that's probably the most likely at this point. Um I don't I'm still I'm a huge sceptic for a May election because it relies well, one, I think Rishi Sonic doesn't know that there's gonna be if there's gonna be one, he doesn't know that yet. He may be thinking you'd quite like to call one, but it relies fundamentally on whether uh, there's some sort of poll bounce uh, from the budget, and I, you know, given where, what happened with the autumn statement, given where, you know, we know that we were in recession at the end of last year, I just don't think that's going to happen in any meaningful way, so I think we're we're stuck where we are till November, that's my view.
2: I, I've wrote back on it a bit, Mark. Well, I, I was saying that there's no way there's going to be a May election. Um, I persuaded him! I still think there's no way there's going to be a May election, but I mean, y- Really, what I should have said, instead of just taking the mega out of you for thinking there's going to be an election, is that nobody knows what uh, the Prime Minister's going to do. It's when the, when the Prime Minister's gift. I mean, nobody knows what he's going to do. Maybe he doesn't know what he's going to do.
0: I mean, he waiting for a sign Yeah,
2: the time. time. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> on, on many other issues, that is, that is the case. But maybe he's waiting for some advice from somewhere. Maybe he's, he, he's after Boris calling them up and telling them what to do. You know what I mean? Who knows? Um, so, yeah. Will give you the last word. Maybe he's word controlled by the deep state. Well, I don't, I'm not sure he is. Like to be <laughs> fair, but um, yeah. When 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 do you think it's going to be? When, when how long do you think whichever candidate wins in Rochdale is going to, going to going to last after today? Yeah,
1: I mean, obviously, we're we're getting very close to the to, to the budgets next week, um, and I guess we're like three weeks away from when, if I'm right, then the election would be called. And, it does feel very close. I'll be honest. I think my view's always been conditional upon them throwing the kitchen sink at the at the budget. But the briefings that that was thing that I've heard, I was at an event the other day where somebody had actually spoken to the chancellor and got like a feel for what he he hadn't said what he was going to do, but he'd given a steer. It sounds like they're just going to be tinkering around the edges. So there's not actually going to be a lot of big things coming out. Um, on that basis, I think it makes it less likely because you know I think if if they're going to throw a hail mary at it, then they you know would do something bigger and say, look, we need a mandate and this is like some, we're going to really go to town, but we need, your, we need your support. Um I don't think it would work, but I think that is the only chance they have. And I think they would have to. So my my prediction of it being May is very much conditional upon them seeing some sort of positive polling towards the, the 22nd of March, which is the last date to which you can call it. Um, to me, that lines up because it would be, I think it's better for them to have a short campaign, just to go really hard and really nasty, as we know. Um, I'd like to see it get out of the way, so I think part of that's probably me wanting one. Um, but I definitely think it could be, you know, October, November, very easily. But I just think, you know, if we think that the speculation is rife now, if we go past no, May, it's just going to go crazy. And if we go past May, we're going to have June, July. And then the the long recess, which is going to it's going to be there's going to be nothing but election speculation during that time, in August. Then you're going to get the conference season, and it's going to be feverish. The Tories are the last conference, so the the spec the speculation of Rishi standing up and saying, you know, I'm off to the King right now, blah blah blah. Okay, I'm a bit of a something for political drama. You think about it, Liam, just before you cut in. If we get to the conference speech from Rishi, and he hasn't called it, and we're down to literally weeks at that stage, it's going to be absolutely crackers, this, the speculation. He's barely going to be able to say anything. He can't announce a policy, can he? Because it will be like, we've well, got like eight weeks. And it's virtually by then a matter of sort of seven or eight weeks before the automatic dissolution on December the 17th or 18th, I think it is. So yeah, that, anyway, that's, that's me thinking. I, I, I think it could, could be May. But I feel I'm sort of sliding a bit now. Um, it's getting close, and there's no sign of it, but it's gone so crackers with the Tories that you just it, it, they could call it tomorrow. Can you imagine the conference speech model? Go back to your constituencies
2: and prepare to leave government? Yeah. I think they'll be pretty prepared by that point you know,
1: <laughs> Well, Yeah. I mean, the, the, maybe uh, I don't know. I just can't see it getting that far down the road. Maybe. I mean, I do plan on gloating if they do call it in March, just, just to let you know. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> yeah no, fair Homework enough. Yeah. Next yeah, you can. You'd be right. Homer for next week, if uh,
2: or if I'm on at any point in the future. I should get that countdown theme from when we discuss this topic next time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We'll have elections.
1: I think, I've, to be yeah. honest, even if I was right, I've probably... Made every guess possible in the last like <laughs> six months that we've talked about. Yeah, you can until, just sort of clip it, and point and it right yeah. somewhere because I've definitely
0: maneuvered around the months. So, before just before we move on from Rochdale, uh, do we think that this for the Labour Party in particular, do we think that the issues around this have been dealt with now? Do we think that actually they're going to be, you know, that they'll obviously come back? Tomorrow, when the result comes out, but will there be any kind of long-term consequences for the Labour Party with this, or is it largely dealt with? We'll have an MP for a bit until an election, but actually, there's not, there's not going to be any other wider impact.
2: Well, I think it in- has, yeah, I think it has um wider impacts for for how the parties viewed it is. It has been an attack line for the Conservatives. To, and I don't know if anyone watched PMQs, but one of the lines was, um, "You make anti-Semites candidates." You know what I mean? Even though obviously Keir Starmer's um, dealt with it, and, and he's no longer the, the Labour candidate, so it 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 could be used as a, an attack line. But I think the the fact that the there is these extreme views, that these conspiracy theory type views. In in all parties at the minute, and dealing with it like the same as we've already talked about Lee, with Lee Anderson, how the leadership deal with these individuals that make these errors um, tells you something about the party. Because decisive actions being taken, because he's no longer the Labour candidate, it isn't great. It isn't great to to for anyone to be, have to go to an election and not have a, a proper Labour candidate to vote for. Uh, But I do not think it has any long-term impact. And particularly, like I said earlier, I don't think it makes any difference to the general election. I think it will become the Labour seat uh, when we have a general election.
1: For me, it feels like a one-off, I think, Carl, because it's hard to analyse the results that Labour gets on the basis that it's publicly known that they've withdrawn support. If they didn't withdraw support and they went, then you could say this is is the, the sort of the outcome of that, but the fact that they've sort of effectively turned him into an independent, um, and he will sit as an independent if, if, if he wins. And then you've got these sort of characters. It, it seems a bit of a one-off, a bit of a an outlier election. There's a very, very odd, strange election. I think that as with most by-election results, there'll be something in it for everybody. There'll be something for, you know, crit- there's clearly going to be uh, openings for people to criticise Labour for how they reached that point, how they how they selected this person, how how they then withdrew support, you know, the impact on the electorate, how the, the electorate's been caught up in this following the death of Tony Lloyd. Then you've got the sort of Simon Danchuk for reform. It looks like he's probably going to get more votes, you know, than the 10 points have been getting somewhere else. So that's going to have a, you know, there's something in it for them. George Galloway and his sort of quite odd views are going to almost certainly be close to winning, and that gives a platform for saying that that's now going to do X, Y, Z well. Which I think we know in all reality in a general election situation. And Liam made that point earlier, absolutely rightly, that when we get to a general election, the vote will be, the the public will approach that vote very differently than what they're doing now. I mean, there must be a lot of protest voting in this, a lot of angry voters just going, you know. Dummy wall sort of thing because there's just a lot. I mean, you couldn't get a more unique uh, election, really. And the people, what what's going to end up happening is, albeit for a short time, as you both said, I think um, the people of Rochdale are going to end up with an MP after this. And you know, if you think of the stability they had before with Tony, and they're going to end up with this madness afterwards, they're going to end up with a person that's probably just going to be there for a few a few weeks um and you know we're gonna have to set up an office and there'll be case are getting dealt with you know this isn't great for the people of Rochdale so how they react to that in general will be quite interesting as well so it could have sort of ripple effect moving forward I think the best outcome for for, for the constituency would be if we have an election later so it gives people the chance to sort of calm down and think about how they're going to vote and not vote in anger and emotion in the way that they probably are this time Um but I think it's I think for me, I'll just accept whatever result it is and probably not try and get into the analysis too much because I think with this one, you can probably analyze it any way you want and come up with something reasonable, and something that credibly reflects the result. You could probably say just about anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's right. I think it will be sort of interesting to see what happens with reform just because they talk themselves up. Um, And I think you're right. It is a... um, it's a unique election in the sense that there are three former Labour candidates standing against each other uh, with no Labour candidate um, in, in the election, or no, no formal Labour candidate in the election, which I'm not sure if that's ever happened before. If I was a resident, I'd um, be
2: furious about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ridiculous stat that the Greens did the same. They withdrew support there, kind of two in one election for the historic stuff that the guy had written on
0: Twitter. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that as well. That's a good point. It's, um, yeah,
2: many, many quiz questions could be asked about this. It's, it's gonna, yeah. It won't go down in history like Liz Truss's premiership, but um, it's not a, a, a great day for
0: politics in Russia.
1: Absolutely agree.
0: Certainly. Well, um, talking about not great days for politics, um, I think we've got time to touch on, we talked last week about uh, Lindsey Hoyle and, and what happened with the, with the debate there. Um obviously things have moved on a bit. We were last week we were discussing whether he was going to survive. He has survived. Um he's clear yeah, he's clearly weakened in some way. Um he didn't intervene in what was quite a touchy and personal PMQs. Uh the no confidence numbers have gone up uh to ninety two, I think. Um so there there is a sort of there's a been a growing disquiet since last week, but it hasn't tipped into him stepping down at this point, uh, Malcolm. Just because we talked about it last week, what what do you think? You know, what do, where do you think we are? Do you think this this is it now? He'll, you know, they might have a few wobbly weeks and it'll it'll start to come back, or do you think there is still a danger for him? I think he's
1: definitely weakened. I think if you watch PMQs, especially when Sunak sort of made some really personal attacks on Keir Starmer, called him three insults directed at him like, aggressively across the dispatch box. And he didn't step in. He also didn't really step in to quiet MPs very much. And I think that that, if it was, I just, I thought that this and read it afterwards as well, that I felt like he was, he felt, he must have felt like he just wanted to stay out of the way. Didn't want to sort of wind anybody up. In terms of the, the no confidence numbers, there is a link in the show notes for if anybody wants to have a check it out, look for the early day motion that now has 92 signatures. There was actually. 93, although I don't know if it ever got to 93. There was someone who withdrew their, their request that he go, which was Philip Dunn, who's the Environmental Audit Committee chair. He withdrew his signature on the EDM to say he wanted Hoyle to go, so clearly he must be satisfied now. He's happy for him to continue. Um, he hasn't, I don't believe, said why he's withdrawn his his signature, but there could be any reason for that. Um, to me, a week's a long time in politics, and it's been almost a week now since this happened, and they're only at 92 that's a lot of MPs, to be fair, um, but not enough to force him out and certainly not enough to vote him out if they had an alternative. All I'll say on this one, and just to slightly repeat what I said last week, but it gives Liam the opportunity to comment on it if he wants to, I don't see the point in getting rid of him. I don't see, like, who would you bring in? It's There's no real win to me for getting rid of him other than they saw so an opportunity to, to take a scalp and said, let's, let's do it, they want him out because they want him out. Um, I get why the Tories at the time wanted Burko out and, you know, he was a bigger character. To me, I don't see what the win would be other than the new speaker comes in. Um, It just felt like a bit, just a bit, it was just politics being politics to me and, you know, I just found it all a bit odd. So I, I do think he'll survive now, but I do think he's weakened and it'll be a couple of weeks before we see him as a robust best.
2: Yeah, I think we can't lose sight of of, why this happened. Um, this is the worst of politics, to be honest. Um, so we will start where we should start with the situation in Gaza. Um, the SNP wanted a, a, a vote. They were expecting a division on this. The Labour Amendment was, was put through to ask for a humanitarian ceasefire. And I think that, that um, the government have uh, backed the amended motion um, it went through it went through on the knotd so there was no division uh, which means that the, the government like most people want to see a ceasefire and that's the clearest possible message we can um, give to, to Israel that we need a ceasefire and also uh, on the Hamas side uh, we need an absolute immediate release of, of hostages and 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 we're here talking about a, a speaker it's um yeah, it, it's not our parliament at its best. Um, with that said, uh met Lindsay Hoyle in, in 2015. Everyone, including his constituents that you that you speak to, um, believe that he, he does work with the best of intentions. He does work to try and, and make parliament a, a better place, where debate can be robust but polite. He's made good strides on that. Um, it I think he will be able to to see this out, um, but I just think it's a shame that we've lost sight of, of what was being debated on that day, which is a, a humanitarian ceasefire for people to be able to get aid in and have hostages released, which is what everyone wants to see. And uh, yeah, if that message has been lost, then um, I'm sure that wasn't Lindsey Hoyle's intention. Um but I think that's where we need to get back to and then draw a line under it. I'm sure that the, the, the um, situation in Gaza will be debated in Parliament. MPs will get a chance to air their views on on it, whether there'll be a division or not. That's that's politics. But the, the message from the UK government to the Israeli government and to ha- Hamas has to be unequivocal, that uh, hostages need to be released and we need a ceasefire. Yeah, and
0: I think... Um... That's a good point in terms of, in terms of the, the drama, sort of taking away from the issue. Um, and I think there was some there was some reporting over the Hope weekend we might as well. Have conservative for the first uh, time, everyone. Carl was lost
1: there for about ten seconds.
0: Oh no! You've you've missed my my wisdom. Um, are you going to be well, a,
1: actually? You might a recorded? Just carry on, though, because it might well have recorded on your side, so just pretend we heard
0: it. Carry on. If it's rubbish, <laughs> I'll edit it out, ladies and gentlemen. This is live. <laughs> there we go. It's, uh, if you're hearing this, Malcolm's not got around to anything yet. Off, um, off <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> So I was I was just saying it was, a, it was a good point in terms of how the the drama and the what's happened in Parliament is sort of distracted from the the kind of issue that was supposed to be being debated, discussed, and was ultimately, as you say, nodded nodded through. I think there was some Conservative, I think ministers, but um, Conservative, a few Conservatives were kind of quoted over the weekend, basically saying, "I don't, you know, I I was asked to sign this Sunday motion, and I told them to get lost because." you know why, why is that you know why is that what we're focusing on at this point um because actually it's you know it's not as it, as it drags on longer it's not just a distraction from that it becomes a distraction for for other things as well it undermines uh lindsey hall's um authority in the house um and it you know it stays in the news in a way that it really doesn't need to um and i think that's that's certainly the case for the S&P, who presumably are still the bulk of the the signatories. Um, and for Conservative backbenchers, it's it just doesn't feel. And I, th- I think you, know, you said something similar, Malcolm. It doesn't feel like the thing that they should be spending their time on at this point. They've made you know they've made the point that they're not happy about the procedural decision that was made. Let's move on. I think is, is sort of my view of it.
1: The thing I'll just add, just to. The thing they're upset about is that the Labour amendment was selected, but the idea that they've been blocked from talking about it is nonsense because in any motion that gets put to, and I've had this at council, you have had a council, Liam will be well aware of it, When even in branch meetings, wherever you've been. When you have a motion, another side can table an amendment and that amendment gets discussed. It gets voted on, and it either becomes the substantive motion or it gets rejected and debate returns to the original motion. You sound like a trade unionist model. Well, uh, well, you, you know, that's a surprise to all of us, Liam. Um, but I think the thing, I, the point I'm making is when the amendment is tabled, you can still say everything you want to say about what you want to say. So the idea that that was blocked is nonsense. So there's a lot of politics going on, and I agree with Liam the issue itself has been somewhat hijacked, but it's been hijacked by everybody. This motion was put down, I believe, with two intentions. One, I think a genuine intention to say something about an important issue. Two, to expose the Labour Party divisions. And unfortunately for the SNP, that particular side of it was lost in the uh, con- the procedural rows that followed. But if the Conservatives felt strongly about it, they shouldn't have walked out. So I feel somewhat harsh on Lindsay Hoyle that he's taking the blame for the Tories walking out because that's their choice, not his. But anyway,
0: that's my view. Well, we're, cu- we're coming up to time. Um, is there anything else we want to touch on on this before we move on very quickly? So um, I think before we, before we wrap up, um, the budget's coming up next week. We touched on it already. Has anyone got any uh, burning predictions for one or two things that might appear and uh, turn the fortunes of the Conservative Party on their head?
1: I probably can't give you an actual prediction call, but I, I initially, until I got the feedback I mentioned earlier, I expected them to throw the kitchen sink at this and give it one last push for for a big for something big. Um, so I guess, without any real specifics, I would be surprised if they just. If it was a business as usual budget, I think that's almost a sign of a resignation. If they do that, they'll be trying to kick spending decisions down the down
2: the road till after a change of government. We've seen it, unfortunately, with the post office scandal. They're trying to delay that any anything that comes out of the treasury is going to come out under a different administration. Um, I think they will, whatever they say, they will try and. Sort of couch it in language that they're helping people. That we've had some hard times. That were coming out of it. They'll give a message of hope. Um, and yeah, we'll see. I'm interested to see because I'm right. It's a leader opposition that, that responds to the to the budget. Is that right? Is that the, is that the case? So yeah, Typically, I'll be interested. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'll be interested to to see how that's handled. I think um, yeah, whatever picture they try and try and paint. Um, I think the response um, will really, uh, I'll be really interested to see what the, what KS Dom's response is to the, to the budget, because I, I think it's going to be very tricky. They're going to try and come across that everything's fine. Um, but we know just from talking to people um, that everything isn't fine.
1: Prediction from you, Liam first. How long will he speak for? Over an hour? Under an hour? Over forty-five minutes, under forty-five minutes, forty-eight minutes. Ooh, very specific. Go on, Carl.
0: Be, be specific. We'll see who's closest. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. That's a short one. Uh, yeah, I'm going I to think go for
1: fifty-five, only on the basis that the longer side. But if it's if it's over an hour, I lose as well. So. Um, we all think under an hour with Carl thinking it'll be basically stands up, coughs, and sits down. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> well, interesting because these things can last a long time and there's a lot to say. But yeah, well, be, that might be. Well, I'll try. It. I'm, I've now got a timer now.
0: <laughs> yeah, um mine's more from hope than experience because I'll probably end up having to watch it. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, although to be fair, J- Jeremy Hunt is quite. You know, some chancellors have different approaches to these things and jeremy hunt actually is a decent performer you know I, I watched the autumn statement you you sit there and you listen to it and you think oh actually that's that's all right and then obviously it, the all one of, it all, that it is all unravels yeah he's uh he's, he's aiming for an audience of one just just me i think <laughs>
2: yeah I think I think we're going to say they'll they'll promise more money for a lot of things and uh, the price of a pint might go up by a few pence
0: and possibly petrol too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I think they'll probably free oh, well the the fuel thing's interesting because obviously oil prices have come down and that's quite a big thing for inflation at the moment. I feel like they'll make a big flourish about freezing fuel duty as as ever. Um, but the things I think they'll actually do they might actually do, um, is obviously the ninety nine percent mortgages is something that they're trying to they you know, already briefed out. The business organizations, so like FSB and Chambers of Commerce and things, they all seem to think that they've had a good you know, that the Chancellor's been listening to them. So it'd be interesting to see if they get some stuff out of this budget. Um, you know, things like you know, late payment um things is something they've been talking about a lot um the um vat for the the sort of tourist tax stuff all that kind of stuff just interesting to see if any of that there's kind of any movement on that and the big one i'm interested in and this is a kind of personal (laughs) personal interest but um, martin lewis the money saving expert has been pushing on uh tweaking the rules around child benefit um because there's quite a hard cap at the moment uh, for people on um, if one parent earns fifty thousand pounds and then the other one doesn't earn anything, they still, you know, they lose the child benefit. Um, and so, be interested to see if there's any kind of movement around that, um, because that there's been quite a big push on that from him and and some others as well. And it's it sort of fits the kind of working parent middle class demographic you know that in the south east southwest that they they'll be sort of looking at um and it probably isn't going to be loads of money but it, it might be a signal which is you know I appreciate not the quick fire uh, <laughs> quick fire prediction that i asked for but um i think there's a few bits there that they they might go for that aren't those big ticket things that you were talking about Mark. anything else before we go i think we're wrapping up rapidly so um thanks so much uh, to malcolm and liam um and thanks again to you all for listening um and we hope you join us again next week